Hi everyone, AJ here. Just wanted to get out in front of this episode and say thank you all for the understanding when we decided not to release an episode last week to make some room uh, for black voices and the black community. Uh, I do want to make it clear as we move forward with our regular release schedule that this does not mean that the conversation or the struggle is over. Uh, Right at the top of the show notes in this episode, you will find a link to a great compilation of resources where you can donate, sign petitions, and educate yourself about race and police brutality issues in America. Uh, Thank you again for all of your understanding. Uh, here is the show. Hello, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book in the main series. However, my two co-hosts have not. And with me today is our producer, AJ Falleri. How are the levels? How are the bars? The levels are are looking super, super good. And uh, rounding out the crew, he recently uh, chipped his tooth on the pit of an olive. It's Josh Baker. I really wish that was true. Very nice. Uh, Do you, mate? <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds like a fun quirk to have. Yeah. Who's um, that? Oh, that's Josh, the Olive Man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, got those bad today on the teeth. show, we are not. We're in between Memories of Ice and House of Chains, so we thought it would be a good time to read uh, the first collection of the tales of Botulent and Corporal Brooch. Sorry, 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 sorry. Bocalane. Yes. yes, thank you. As Steve explicitly told us to yes. say. You, the two you can go with, Steve, I am going to stand in my Caninian <laughs> heresy. <laughs> um, anyway, so we read the first three, Blood yes. Follows, The Leaves of Laughter's End, and The Healthy Dead. All in collection one, The Collected yeah, Tales. And, and there's some chronology stuff, but honestly, this is what was in collection one. That's what we chose to read. Yeah, yeah. We just went with it. Yeah, um, the, this collection was published in 2010, and there were still like four more that were published after this collection. Yeah, and I three think more. he's been posting. He's writing one now, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's currently posting pages on his Facebook page, Steven Erickson is, so if you want to go follow so, Steven Erickson on Facebook, go for that. Basically, I think we're going to talk through some big picture thoughts and then mm-hmm. kind of work through all the short stories through the rest of the episode and see mm-hmm. where we end up. Um, So... Right out of the gate, Josh, you know, how did it hit you? How did that kind of seeing Steve in this different zone go? So we've interviewed Steve three times now. And something uh-huh. that he's something that he's very fond of mentioning is that he's a short story guy. He, he brings it up. He does bring it up occasionally. <laughs> and so I was very intrigued to see, like, how true that is. Because each of these each of these books is is like 100 pages or so. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's firmly in short story territory. And I got to say, the dude's right. Um, they, they are tight, concise little worlds. I, I think, I think they are all an absolute joy to read for the most part. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I think the best evidence of just how, how much this is his kind of his his wheelhouse, the chapter lengths in Mm. this book Mm. are all exactly what they need to be. They're perfect. They range from half a page to three and a half pages, no more, no less. Like, that's it. And they all are, like, perfect little... Honestly, re- like, I have gone on record and said that I don't... I've realized I don't imagine how things look mm-hmm. uh, when I read, but uh, it's very hard not to read this and have a fucking movie. Like, it really mm-hmm. reads like you are, like... It should, like, there should be notes that say, scene... Lighting like this, you know, it's it's really feels like he has just put out a whole screenplay per book. Yeah, it's it's wild how he said in in the interviews that in short story writing, you don't put anything in the story that doesn't need to be there. And I, Josh, I think you're absolutely right. Everything that is in the chapter is exactly what needs to be in the chapter and is referenced again at some point. Uh, yeah, you know, in. 10 chapters or whatever 
and it it always pays off. It always feels great. It's it's just so much fun to read, and it, it's it really strikes me how the arc of these short stories or novellas, whatever we want to call them, are so similar to the arc of the canon ten books. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Every, there's there all this stuff introduced in the beginning and then all of a sudden at the end it's all just like crammed together and mm. it's all happening and then all and like and then it pays off and it's great and it feels so 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 good. I think uh, the first the first of these three books is the prime example of that with there's yes. it's the only one that features an actual like almost fight. You yeah. know? Well, I guess the second one has some smaller ones, but the first one has like a climactic fight. Right. And there every every part of the book just shows up and you're like, "What the fuck? How do you do it?" <laughs> yeah. Um I <laughs> Yeah, you made a face when I when I said some stuff. I find this so interesting. Okay. You know, reading his writing like this. And I'll try not to just go on forever about it, but um <laughs> Nah dude, I'll take a coffee break. Chase your bliss. <laughs> AJ, I think it was interesting too, since you read Willful Child. Mm. And it's always interesting to see Steve writing outside of like Malazan, you know proper you yeah. know to use a word yeah i said um, canon i didn't it, that's not really what i meant but yeah i just meant like the the 10 very big books yeah, the titular so like, 10 books his style here like i think it almost worked for me better you know i don't mm. know like those books are you know that's a separate thing in a way but i was reminded of, i was having a conversation once about how my love for malazan and those 10 books is like a very complicated thing you know yeah. And I think that's just because it's a work of three million words, you know, <laughs> and like to talk about it. Obviously, it's it's harder to speak about in like one sentence, you know, like mm-hmm. I want to equivocate more. However, like a short story, like these are just like mostly little morsels. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like they're just kind of delectable treats. Just little and treats I feel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just feel way less complicated like this. I don't know. It's just it's so much tighter. And it's just very because it is it is such a kind of sealed world. And in some way, I don't know, he, he's reaching for a different thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, most of them, the most of them really worked. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it. But I really enjoyed my time reading these stories. And I yeah. feel like I don't know. People should check them out if I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would definitely suggest suggest people check this out. I don't even know. Like, you don't need to have really any knowledge previous preach. Of, yeah. of the Malazan world like this tells you everything you need to know about the characters in it and uh, sure it's fun to have some backstory about like we know where they end up you know yeah. in Memories of Ice and we know you know how Emancipatrice is still in there you know ha- hasn't really like risen through the ranks or anything like they treat him exactly the same in this when they first meet him than they as they do you know yeah. whenever Memories of Ice takes place um uh, yeah, I would highly recommend you pick these up. They're, it's it's very cheap. It's very easy to read. Sorry, very cheap is is uh, sure subjective, but they're very easy to read. They're very fun to read, except for one I, part in the second book. But we'll talk about that. I want to. I do want to pop in. And I want to say. I think what's also really nice is that uh, as someone who is being uh, held in captivity and forced to read all ten of the main series <laughs> back to back to back. Uh, this is a very nice, like, if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, these are getting a little much. Mm. These are very lighthearted for most of the time. Yeah. Uh, the, the humor is almost, almost always present in every scene. There yeah. is something funny. Oh. And it's, it's, it, it really makes these things, you just fly right through them. Yes, the like, humor is. Like, for example, is, yeah. they na- he named one of the towns quaint, essentially just for a gag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's there just to be a pun. <laughs> There's, yeah. There's a, a three-second or a three-sentence interaction between Bokelain and a Mansport piece wondering if it's supposed to be a joke. And it's yeah. like, this. oh, this is the joke. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, like, and, and that's what, Josh, to go to what you're talking about, I think what can be liberating is since the, the, the Book of the Fallen is like a very, you know, it's a very serious, somber affair sometimes, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, sometimes they're, it, that's a whole other subject. Yeah, yeah. Like, these short stories just, you know, the hair's let down. Steve's hanging out, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like it's so, party Steve's here. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I didn't even think about how I have also read Willful Child. Um, and thinking about the, the I guess, the comedy of Willful Child and the comedy of, of these stories is, is so different. Because <laughs> Willful Child is just straight up, just like nonstop, you know, uh, Star Trek references and just like weird uh sex jokes and stuff <laughs> and these short stories are just like 
they're just funny. Like they just have this 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 very good sense of humor. Yeah. Um, yes, they're a great time to read. Uh, I also, if you read these and you like them, I don't know if I would suggest that means you should go read the Book of the Fallen. Oh yeah, um, they're they're different beasts. Yeah, they're fully they're different. They're definitely beasts, different. But... I would almost say that like you could read these and have no relationship to those ten books. Do I would. I, mean? I would wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Although, you know, I will say in some regards, though, if you had like a friend who was like, I think I want to do it, but it's just like, I don't know if I'm going to like the writing style. Mm -hmm. This is not the same by any stretch, mm -hmm. but it, I mean, it is still Steve. He's yeah. still going to yeah. he he's still going to be like, hey, how about 12 names in this yeah. one chapter That's of this one <laughs> short true. story? So, it you know, a, it, it is a closer taste than nothing. Yeah, and, it's like training wheels. Yeah, yeah. And that's not to say I don't have some qualms, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. like, we're going to get into that later on. I just think, for me, I don't know if they're essential reading. But if you're looking to hang out and have a good time, yeah. then, like, I then, don't know. Yeah, hop on these bad boys. Yeah, if you if you have read, you know, and reread the main ten, you know, five times or whatever, and you're, <laughs> you're raring for some... I'm I have a feeling those people have already read this. <laughs> I'm just saying, if they yeah, have it, yeah, if they have it, they should. <laughs> All right. Um, well, yeah. let's let's uh, saunter our way through these bad boys and and talk them through. Sure um, thing. First up is Blood Follows. There's a killer on the loose in Lamentable Mole, and Sergeant Gold is on the case. Emancipa Reese, aka Mansley the Luckless, looks for a new job after several of his previous employers met unfortunate ends. Bokalane and Corbel Broach hire Reese as their manservant and enlist his help to ultimately get them out of Lamentable Mole. There you go. A little summary. Beautiful. Thanks. Okay, this one, enjoyable enough, you know? I, mm. you know. I thought it was interesting, though, because I think it's, like, the most canonical. Do you know what I mean? Because it's somewhat like an origin story. Yeah. yeah. You know? As opposed to some of the... Like, I'm sure we're going to talk about Healthy Dead, which is one I think I'm very interested in, you know? Yes, mm -hmm. yes. But that, like, that's, like, all these, like, interstitial, true, we're just, like, on-the-road adventure stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Where, like, we see Emancipor, like, in his house, leaving, and, like, I don't know how he gets there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's just kind of the most, I don't know, it's, like, the most it matters. Do you know what I mean? Like the rest are kind of just whatever adventures, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. If you sense. were looking for some sort of like backstory, I think this one is. Yeah, the one this that... is the this is the closest you're going to get. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause, for, cause, na for now, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because even the other two, they're just like the adventures of, you know, the rest. Exactly. Of them. Like, like this yeah. one actually shows you how they met and, you know, what their deal is and all that stuff. Uh, I think it was interesting. The just Emancipor Reese's like how he has a whole life here and it's just it, like a shitty dude <laughs> i would have never ex like when i met him in memories of ice if you had been like you know fun fact on another continent he has a wife yeah a few kids that are actually probably fathered by somebody else and he supports them with money and I, yeah. i'd be like no yeah that's if, not true if i was gonna guess one character <laughs> sending alimony payments it wouldn't be emancipatory <laughs> and see that's the type of shit i just always think so funny about malzan and there's like that it's half like the highest fantasy shit uh -huh. mm -hmm. and then like half like well this dude's sending money home just right. so he can, his kids can go to school <laughs> right. I mean? yeah, yeah yeah i oh man i want to say the backstory of a man reese though like in terms of what leads him to where we find him that is exactly what i would fucking expect after meeting him in memories of ice for his whole story to be like and this is the the fucking most unlucky human <laughs> to have ever existed yeah the end yeah i i don't know i guess for for what I expected of him wasn't for him to be like a career person. Like, uh, yes, I, yes. I imagine him more of a person who was just like picked up on the side of the road or something or like it or somehow created by Corporal Broach. And we were just like yes, never told yes. like I. Yeah. OK, so if you haven't read this, Emancipor Reese is a manservant by trade. <laughs> Didn't know that was a thing. Uh, after multiple. So he keeps having the people he works for die horrifically. Yeah. Because um, he's Which the luckless. I think, is, I think that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he ends up in a drunken stupor. Uh, he applies to be the manservant <laughs> of Boca Lane and Corporal He sees a posted ad on the bulletin board a and applies. Ad. 
Well, and also a posted ad that he looks at and is able to be like, there's some dark ass magic yeah, on this. Wow, this is cursed, huh? I bet they pay good. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think what's so. Oh, can we talk about real quick? Advanced Supporter Reese is like super duper uh, an, a, a fucking fiend for all things illicit. Oh, yeah. Oh, the dude, yeah. The the dude parties. The dude is drunk the or high, period. Like always. Yeah. Yeah, I I think what I found interesting about this story was so the Sergeant Gold plot line. You know? Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Arguably so, the 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 main plot line of this of yeah. this book. Like it's it's almost as if the Emancipation Bocalane stuff kind of happens like in the background, and it's more about Sergeant Gold. Well, let me counterpoint. I actually yeah, yeah. way more into the Emancipation Reese stuff. Sure. I think some of the weaknesses of these stories, you know, is as we were kind of talking about, like sometimes, in my opinion, Steve just cannot help himself. You know, For sure. Like, oh, yeah. Candy candy shop. Yeah. Like there it's like, man, this is like 100 pages and there is still like 25 characters or something. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is a lot of folks going on in this story, you know, mm-hmm. and I know and, and I don't know. So. It is somewhat, I don't think he's trying to explore the rich interior lives of all these characters. I think a Definitely lot of times not. they're being used in a symbolic or, you mm-hmm. know, totemic way. Um, but still, when it comes to, like, having these big convergences at the end, I don't know. They and I they leave me a little dry since I just am not that invested mm. in these things, you know? I think some of those sprawling stories can be interesting when you're encountering different people who... Mm-hmm. But just, I don't know, sometimes it could be a little bit smaller for me, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, could, yeah. it could definitely be smaller. I think a lot of what I enjoyed about the end of this one specifically uh, is just the sheer... I, I guess I wasn't expecting it to happen. Like, we met all these characters and I just, like, foolishly assumed some of them would just be, like, you know, tossed aside or whatever. But And then they're gone. Yeah, yeah, but then, like, it was just the sheer spectacle of, like, oh, here's this person and this person and this person and this person. Mm-hmm. And they all, like, do something. Uh, that that just really, I think, is what struck me about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do get your saying, though, Peter, with, like, we don't super need all this other stuff. Yeah. For example, there are there's not one, but there are two separate scenes of Sergeant Gold, a character we'll never see after this book, <laughs> being angsty in a tower. Mm. But not just any tower, a tower that we are described that he has uh, led the citizens of this town to believe is haunted because it is haunted, but he struck a deal with some minor ghosts in there to sound spooky. And it's like, Which is good. Which is good. It's very good. But like, you know, (laughs) I don't know if I needed it. I wanted it after I had it. I was like, thank you very much. I will have this. Uh Oh, seconds? Yes. But it's (laughs) so goofy. Yeah. So... I think what was very interesting as part of the, the story, I think a lot of these short stories, you know, they're obviously they're very death centric, you know, mm. and in a way life too. Right. So like there's, there's this middle pet part of this, you know, that's about a lich, you know, in this tower, you know, mm. but it's kind of just a relevant backstory, you know, yeah. it's not actually that important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he uses this line about saying that this lich was, a, was a promise unfulfilled, you know, and I just found that a very interesting way to describe a lich, you know, that kind of denying death, especially since um, hmm. obviously Botulin and Corbel Brooch are, um, you know, I think representing death in a lot of ways. And I think in this story, Emancipator is like kind of on the gate of death. He brings death to a lot of people hmm. and like it's about him kind of submitting to death ultimately, you yeah. know, before he like, I don't know, just loses his, like his mind. <laughs> so uh, and i think sergeant gold plays the counterweight where he really i think is exploring a lot of like he's trying to find life and like how to function in this world you know sure like he talks to a lot of different folks mm-hmm. so i thought there was an interesting contrast but like some of the gold mystery story stuff yeah i just mm-hmm. i don't know yeah I just I opened the book just to kind of see if there's anything that caught my eye, and I immediately turned it to the one of the couple scenes with the doll girls, mm. the two women oh, yeah, who have yeah, yeah. all the, the weird ass dolls, the twins. I, I like those. They're uh, out of the interesting gold people he talks to. They were my favorite. Yeah. yeah, I mean they are interesting. They're also fucking crazy. Yeah. Oh I, goodness. I think part of what 
you're right, Peter, like was disinteresting to me about the Sergeant Gold, like mystery storyline, quote unquote, is that like we knew it was Corporal Brunch, right? Like, yeah, yeah, there that was is true. no mystery. And I guess I, I, I don't know. I'd be curious to read it again if I would read it like it's supposed to be a mystery or if it's just supposed to be like, I don't know, because I in, in the end, I feel like it's ultimately about the futility of like trying to figure anything out, you know, like Sergeant Gold feels like he has all this power and he has his grasp on everything. And then at the end, it all unravels for him and he realizes he oh, hasn't yeah. been in control of anything this entire mm-hmm. time. Um, so oh, I, so- I, agree, I agree about futility. And I mean, like him just chasing this path is this futile realization towards like what's at the end of all this. It's death. You right. know, yeah. it's like there is nothing. I don't know. I, that's like a really bleak l- lesson it, from the world. No, but, but I, th- I think that that uh, handholds really well with what you were saying about him being, you know, him being the life and then Emancipatrice and stuff being the death is just like, you know, no matter how much you try to, uh, you know, make life mean stuff or whatever, it like ultimately always ends in death. Not to get too, yeah. too bleak in, in the first 20 minutes of this podcast, but... I don't know. I had a better theory about this like two weeks ago, but then I forgot mm. a lot of it. I'm just going to be honest, you know? So, <laughs> okay. yeah. I want to reread it. You know, I would gladly reread that short story, you know. Yeah. It's very good. Hey, is this a quick question? In Memories of Ice, do we find out that Corporal Brooch is a eunuch or is that just is that uh, revealed in this first short story? Mm. I I can't remember. I just know he's like super duper weird yeah. in Memories of Ice. I, yeah, I don't feel know, like I don't it's know mentioned. I it could be in there, but that's one of those tiny details that there's just so much going right. past me, you know? Yeah, yeah and, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, and so shortly after we meet Corporal Broach in Bocalane, there's like, you know, the first time we see the Kachinsha Mal, so it's like <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. gets overshadowed a bit. Plus, we d- not like huge characters in that book, you know? No, no, no. no. We, I, I do want to say, uh, I think one of the more interesting things in, in the first book is uh, like... The day to day, there's not many days that go by in this book, but like the very short glimpse into day to day life of Corbel Brooch and Bocalane. Hmm. Like, you know, they, they have this room in a hotel, and Bocalane is getting these slabs and just kind of spends his time doing that. <laughs> yeah. And he, I, I want to I I know what you guys think about this. The relationship between Bocalane and Corbel Brooch feels much more buddy buddy in Memories of Ice because we're only getting small glimpses. Hmm glimpses but in this it feels in some ways very much like Bocalane tolerates Corbel Brooch out of like a necessity like it's useful to have him around that, f- it's almost that feels like that because they like do they ever speak to each other yeah yeah well, we, don't like a, we don't like, see it that much i mean yeah no, it happens like once or twice yeah that's what i'm saying like more than like a couple sentences it really feels like their interactions are they travel together yeah um, I feel like Josh, you said that uh, Bocalane feels like Cobra Brooch is like a useful companion, but I don't. I don't even know if it's that he finds him useful. I think it's more he finds him interesting. That's you know what that feels more on brand because Bocalane is like a very you know he he went he, skipping ahead I guess to the third the third story in this he's like very curious about everything and he's like oh is this how quaint works interesting blah 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 you, he feels like a like a collector you yeah. Know? Like he just he just he he gravitates useful and interesting things towards himself. <laughs> yeah, and like that is his whole purpose of living is to just like be interested in things. Yeah, I'm fascinated. You find them to be dis almost well, like disinterested or I forget the exact word you used. I feel like I range from thinking they're a couple to mm. like it being almost oh, like no. a like a kind of mother son father you know yeah. like like a paternal like a, a parent maybe relationship, maybe you, know? you have more you know knowledge to go off of familiar books but from everything i've read so far i really find their relationship to be i like like out of necessity i mm. i know we've moved towards being interesting too but like it just feels like they kind of are traveling together because they're traveling together yeah. you know but that's not a reason josh <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't see the reason. Mm. Sure. And that's why I just feel like it would sooner be one of those that I listen, we're just speculating on nothing, you know. So It's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean, I feel like they have a I don't know, a warmth to their rapport, you yeah. know. Pete, did you have any idea of what these stories were about when when you suggested we read not, these? Not a zilch. Cool. I, I had never nice, read nice. them and it was it's like when we read Willful Child. It's very yeah. fun to come yeah. into this not knowing anything. Like to, right. I don't know, 
to bring a fresh experience, you know, because obviously the main show is a little different. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I because coming into this, I thought we were going to get like maybe this is foolish. I thought we were going to get backstory on Corporal Brooch and Bocalane, like how they met and stuff uh, and like more their backstory. But it's interesting that these are centered on more emancipor Reese than. Yeah. Any at least the, in the, the at two. least in the first one. The first one is solidly emancipor Reese focused. Yeah. I'm actually glad because to be honest, I just have no, I would have I'm not interested in learning like, I don't know, the lore of these dudes. I mean, it's just yeah, un, yeah, yeah. that seems very uninteresting to me. Mm. And to cast it as like to do more just like almost serialized, mm-hmm. you know, in weird yeah, they adventures. Definitely feel like serialized. That's, that's like, I don't know, that's more interesting to me. Because yeah. it's just more yeah. set piece based, which I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about in two and it, three. It's definitely yeah. more interesting. I just I was expecting to meet them <laughs> immediately, and we didn't meet them until like forty pages into the first book or yeah, something, true, uh, which true. I just thought was just like classic, classic Steve. The first the first uh, chapter is like you know a soliloquy or something, and then we meet Amanda Paris, and then we meet Sergeant Gold, and then we spend a long time with Amanda Paris and Sergeant Gold. <laughs> until yeah. we meet I, I really knew Steve was up to his shit when you met, when I met Sergeant Gold. You yeah. know, we were me and Amanda yeah. P. Reese. I'm like, whatever. And then we just cut to this dude and we're like going into this other storyline. I'm like, what the fuck, Steve? I yeah. guess yeah. this well, I guess we're doing it, you know? Um yeah. two two quick things. I would like if we can. First, I'd like to briefly talk about Amanda Paris's family, and then I would really like us to talk about the the, the final climactic scene of sure. this first book. Absolutely. Uh, I wanna say Amanda Paris's home life is truly like the most i don't even know how to describe it it's a sitcom all right yeah. emancipa reese's <laughs> life sitcom. is Full a sitcom, sitcom. <laughs> luckless dude always working hard is beset by in steve's words large uh very aggressive wife yeah. who is always shouting at him it feels like, yeah, I mean, that's that's about what it feels like. And also two kids who casually are probably not 100, his. 100% you're right on that. Yeah, um, yeah. I will say, I don't, like, I'm not trying to, like, read too much into it because that seems very boring. <laughs> but I have no idea why Amanda Reese would be sending money back to, like. Why does he stay with her? It seems like, why, so. Like, why, what's in his, what's in this for she, him? Yeah, I don't so, know. I, I think that that is such an interesting part of his character is that in every other way he's just kind of shitty and yeah. and even his 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 motivation for working with uh Bokelin and Corporal Broach is that on the flyer it says like travel involved or something he's like oh I can get <laughs> away from my family but then he's still sending money back and supporting them and like even thinking about them in the the later uh stories of like oh they're probably in school now like yeah <laughs> what are you doing I mean like great g- be a good guy I guess but like mm-hmm. what are you doing uh, I don't know. It's a, a weird relationship to his kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't want to read too much into it because I feel like mostly he's kind of just like a yeah. comedic character. Do you yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So so the last scene of this story. Okay. Um, so first off, I want to back up. AJ very early on said that this has a very Sherlock Holmes vibe to it. Um, have yeah, you, the, ha- the either of you stuff. two have either of you two had much Sherlock Holmes experience? Some I don't know what we're measuring, but sure, okay. yeah. Well, because I I've consumed a good chunk of it, and I gotta say the the last scene of this to me feels very much like Steve being like, "Y'all want that home shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> and then just like as like at, like like he gives it to you, and then he just like beats you in the back of the head with a club because it is like. So I think for me, the biggest reason I say that is uh okay. So Gold does all his detective shit, right? Mm. Over the course of it, we meet so many characters that are just in one-off scenes that are either information givers or appear to be dead ends. And they all come back in the <laughs> climactic scene where Gold is trying to stop Corbel Brooch. And the best one is a large man that Gold accosts in a tavern and then decides that he can't have been the killer. Uh, that du- and that dude is never mentioned again until he knocks gold out and pulls out a crossbow and he was like it's my time delivers short backstory exposition about how he has been the one secretly chasing down corporal broach mm. city to city and that is just peak the funniest shit to me <laughs> like this 
inconsequential character yeah. thinking that he is the main character of this story and then being summarily frozen and told to stop chasing them or he'll they'll murder him to yeah. death. Yeah. Oh, it's very, very good to me. Oh, that funny. and the two the two rat gods. Yeah, they were fun. <laughs> the rat gods are something. Yeah. I, I thought it was really funny in the the in that final scene where it was like I don't know, the similar to the information givers and other characters, um, we get a mention of the princess. And I think we might see her in one scene. The um, princess is there, and she's in that pri- the final scene. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like we see her like once or twice throughout the story, and then in the final scene, it's like, oh, she's actually been like she wants to kill people. Uh, yeah, she's got a she's got like a, a severe blood fetish. Yeah, and, very very. <laughs> and that was just like a, a a left turn. Yeah, yeah. So All that's right. about uh, it for blood. Yeah, follows. I think unless anybody else has uh, Pete, you got anything else to contribute nah, to this one? Things moving here. All I can right. read this one next up is the Lees of Laughter's End. <clears throat> Our fated trio sails the high seas. Aboard the Sun Curl, captained by Captain Sater, strange things are happening. Gust Hub's body parts are going missing, strange nails are being spotted all around, and a bald man keeps throwing hooks into the sea. Okay, uh, I don't know. I'm not keeping track. AJ, what's on your mind? I'm just gonna I was just gonna come out in, in the beginning and just say big pirate energy right from the get-go. <laughs> oh, big pirate energy. Yeah, I I was so confused at what I was reading in the beginning of this because or no, maybe yeah, because we go up to the crow's nest and we're talking with um <laughs> what's her name? The old the elder and the younger. Bina. Bina the younger. Yeah, and I yeah. was like the crow's what? nest is its whole other like yeah, I was like what spiritual the world fuck there, is know? going on? <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, where's this story going? What's happening? And I think, um, too, uh, I was expecting this to... Or no, this was the boat that they get on... Yes. At, from Lamentable Mall, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I do want to say, there is a, there is a like... So each of these books can be read completely on their own if you felt like it. Because sure. I believe they were all originally published on their own, yes? Yeah, yeah this was actually sure. the third published uh, novella, but... I, and I will say, you could read this on its own and be... And so long as you know who Corporal Brooch and Bokalin and Mitch Maurice are, you, you could just read this. Yeah. However, it is like... Strange to me, there are there are a lot of things that happen in Blood Follows uh, uh, surrounding this boat that are like the driving force for all of the plot, and I was just like, that's interesting that like you there could be someone reading this and not understand why these nails are cursed and have no understanding of what that whole stunt is. Mm-hmm. But like, what's nice about it is like the continuity isn't yeah. like yeah yeah yeah. Um, but uh, but it was yeah. So something that I think is uh, I, I think this for me of the three books, I found this one to feel the longest. You know, I felt this one maybe overstayed its welcome a little. I think this bit one for is me. the longest. It is the longest by but only by a handful of pages, as opposed to the third one, which you I you fly through. Yeah, third so one. This, and, third one's my favorite. Just yeah. gonna say. But so, but this one, I think one of the one of the main things for me that really I think is perfection is. Uh, Steve, I don't know. I don't know how he did it, but Steve discovered what pirate names are, and he <laughs> nails every name of every character on this ship. Yeah. They are all so, 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 so good. Yeah. They're, um, I had such a hard time with these names for for until almost at the very end, where I was like, okay, oh, I, I finally s- get a grasp on it. I still don't know all of... Okay, so for, for context, in this book, there there's a cast of non-important pirates. Mm-hmm. Then there is a tier of pirates that there are many gags about, but the like, Brives. you don't super... Yeah, the Brives, for a great example. But there are th- there are five pirates you need to know. The problem is that of the important pirates, Captain Sam is easy, but then you have Avely Druther, Bird's Model, Gust Herb, and Heck Erse. All two name, two word names. Yeah. All of them four letters and also fucking nonsense. Yeah. And to keep to keep them any kind of fucking understood is is nearly impossible. Yeah, it's like he recorded it. <laughs> it's like Steve recorded himself like punching himself in the gut. It's like Heck Erse. <laughs> like that's like where did you get this name, man? We should loop back to this story specifically, but I yeah. think so. Like this story also has a lich in it, you know. Yes, 
And like, there's also like some pirate energy, as you mentioned. This this story has the most stuff, I yeah. think, in terms of like background things that all matter at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's interesting because sometimes the Malazan setting, to me, I'm like engaging it in a kind of almost realistic way, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I'm meeting it in a more serious blah 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 way. But like, man, sometimes it is just like full D and D. Oh, yeah. And that that is this one. Yeah. Like, it's this type of story where you're like, okay, like, this is, you know, I don't know. I see how these dudes are role playing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because there's like, there are a lot of moments of like dull stuff in the beginning of this one. But once you hit the halfway point of Leaves of Laughter's End, it is, it is full blown. We started the boss encounter too early. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, it's 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 the I think it's all summed up by this one sentence is this is where it's kind of shit starts uh, going extremely bad, Um, which was probably why none of the ex soldiers crouched on the walkway actually saw whatever it was that rose up behind the first mate and bit off his head. And then from there to the end, it's just a fucking shit show. Yeah, so good. So good. Truly, truly wild. I think this is. The the second and third one were more interesting. I mean, I don't know. I enjoyed the table set in the first one. But yeah. as I said, I enjoyed the more insulated adventure ones. So I mm-hmm. do actually look forward to reading more, which I definitely think we should do. Yeah. Um, but and I think it's interesting on like something like this is definitely very set piece focused, you know, mm-hmm. because of its setting is kind of an insular thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we're going to talk about it. I just like uh, Captain Sater's rape was bad and I yeah. didn't like it. So, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I think, I mean, if you bring it up, I think we should just talk about it right now. Um, real bad, Steve. Like, that was really rough, and it was played as kind of a gag, and it did not feel good to read. To be, to be clear, it is stated that after imbibing a certain drink, the person who drinks it is is un, unable to, to stop their lusting for whatever is nearby, and it is stated a few chapters later that uh whoever they decide to go after when if they kiss and any of the liquid is on the original person's lips or mouth the other person is also lusty and therefore consent but but it it was clear this was that was not this case yes yeah Yeah. Uh, i i agree uh aj like it goes it like i don't know even if i'm being the most generous about it it's like it doesn't feel good no no yeah it doesn't and it doesn't add anything and it's just like it was uh, it feels like it was put in as a gag and maybe it just didn't age well uh the only the only thing it adds or like the only reason it's there is to to hold the two of the the two competent people up for like a a certain amount of time so that all hell goes loose you know there are other ways they could have been unable to do things well they could just have sex yeah know. yeah um rough did just, not like it uh i didn't yeah yeah and i'm sure we'll talk yeah, yeah if you have thoughts or feelings about that email us shoot us a message on twitter or discord or whatever but so it was yeah it was uh i don't know i guess it was tough because i do feel like i enjoyed the swashbuckling set yeah the rest of it is, mm-hmm. is a great time it's yeah, just like that yeah. and I enjoyed the mayhem of it, you know, and just like how fucking foolish these like just kind of the debauchery of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, I think one of the uh, Pete, you mentioned the there's a lich in this one again. Uh, I think what was interesting about the lich in this one is that it's made up of like 13 different souls or something. Uh, and they're all uh, not fighting for control, but they're all just there, and none of them really know who the other is. No, yeah. I kind of love that, and I yeah. love the thing about them being the na- the nails thing is just so yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Nick, wait, can you uh, just clear? Sorry, can you just can you just clarify the nails thing for me? Like each nail was like their uh, I don't know, I guess finished or whatever, or like what what are the nails? Because I think I missed some line i was under the impression that the nails were like containing the souls of dead people yeah because the nails were the nails had been taken from i think one of the barrows in lamentable mole okay and and used and they were like that's not okay you're not supposed to take the shit from the barrows to use for that because and that's what 
I was a little confused though because I would have. I imagine actually, I actually had missed that detail. Well, and I thought it was interesting because a couple of the people in those nails are Corporal Brooks's murder victims. Lord Balto is Amanda Paris's original uh, employer oh, at the beginning of the first book. Oh shit, Josh, dude! Josh, you cut yeah. it up. You over cracked. There. You cracked it open, man. Well, that's well, that's what confused me though because I thought I was like I don't understand what Barrow would have him and then someone else who's like from. 400 years ago but you know magic steve can't help himself with this type of stuff yeah. he's just got all these tiny little threads connected okay here's what i want to say speaking of that so aj said at the very beginning that like you know a big short story thing that steve preaches is that if it's in the book it has to matter right yeah well, and matter i think on matter on multiple, multiple layers levels. you know it's about and i think the second book is the for me it is like the perfect example because by the end this Boat is under attack by <laughs> a lich who is fighting a homunculus that Corbel Brooch made in the first book. Yeah. That it's hinted. We should have brought that up. The homunculus is so good. Yeah. So good. But we'll get back, okay? So there's a homunculus on board. Oh, what's that? There are a bunch of statue demon dogs. But that's okay because the whole book, there is a secret conspiracy between the five shitty named pirates Heck Erst and Gus Up and Clot. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> right? And also, and okay, so it's fine that there's dogs. And you know what? It's fine that Gus Hub is missing body parts because the body parts are being used by Corbel Brooch, who is seen fishing. What is he fishing for? Great, I'm glad you asked. He's fishing for the god that is the <laughs> owner of the of the of the of the stone dogs, who arises from the water and places his hands. And but all of those things are allowed because from sentence number one, Steve's just like casting out threads like oh uh -huh. this will be great when i fucking yank all these back at the end it's, <laughs> yeah, it's he ridiculous is Broach, just throwing threads yes, out yes into yes. the sea there is a and he does a lot of setups and payoffs with it. you know it's not oh yeah and uh, the, but the best setup and payoff can we talk about the brivs the brivs the are, great. are great i love the brivs there are three characters named briv no one can keep them track of them also one of them is a girl briv but actually, he is Gubbo or some bullshit who's another pirate who likes dressing up as a girl and going by the name Briv. Yeah. I don't know. There, there are so many gags with the three of them, and none of them are. They're all good. And see, I think that's what I enjoy. Something I enjoy about this setting is like, I don't know. I just don't. I enjoy playing loosey-goosey, you know? I don't mm -hmm. need to know everything about magic. I don't need yeah. to know everything about rules. And I just yeah. enjoy something like this. We're like, what are the rules to any of this? <laughs> you know, who yeah. knows? But that's yeah. not a conversation I'm interested in having. You know, yeah, I get it if that's your bag, but like, I don't need to know how, I don't know, all of this works. <laughs> you know, I don't know, mate. Yeah. What did you guys feel about the elder younger thing in the in the crow's nest? <laughs> I love that stuff. I thought that yeah. was some of the most interesting part of it, you know? Yeah, it was just I, I felt so lost uh, the first couple of times it happened, and then I and then I really fi I locked in, I guess, and figured Hold it on. out. I zoned out. What are we talking about? The crow's the nest. Older, younger. Oh, the crow's nest shit. So wild. Yeah. So Josh, I was just saying that I, it took me a little bit to like lock in and figure out what was actually happening. Um, and I think, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think throwing Emancipa Reese up there. Um, well, that had to happen or we would never know that it's this fucking insane girl yeah. talking to herself as her oh, mother. With her dead mom's body just right there. <laughs> right but there. See, like that's something S Steve does where it's like, it's like a real Steve thing. Or it's just like to have these like very heightened, almost drama, like, because it's very, I don't know. Those things are very meta in a way, you know, yeah. because like they're performing. Like she's performing that for us, essentially. Right, right. You know, so like I don't know. It's like it, that is narration to me. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something Steve plays with of who's narrating to us and what that narration means in the world. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think the last thing for this is to just talk about the the very very end where we meet this family of fighter or hunters or whatever. They, they are chanters. Okay. So, so like we, I talked about with like, the, there's this conspiracy amongst a few of the sailors that they're not actually sailors, they're soldiers. 
and they have stolen oh. something. And these are the people they stole it from. And in there is a book that chronologically happens yeah. immediately after this. Yeah. And that will be these guys catching up. I, I Yeah, I agree. I think that's something we're going to learn more about in the Worms of Blurmouth. I want to say Blair, you yeah, could have, you just fucking vomited Blair up mouth. some sounds just then. And the I, worms I of believe, mouth, yeah, yeah. Um, it's worms with a U, as we yeah. all know. But it's oh, funny because okay. this 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 one was published in 07 and Worms was published in 2012. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and 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 then uh, it's interesting because the Healthy Dead, which we are about to talk about, takes place four years after this. Right? Is that what it is? I didn't um, actually know how big of a time skip it was. I couldn't figure that it out. It says four years. It's not like he, uh, Mansa Paris has known them for four years or something. In oh, the okay. Dead. Got you. Got uh, you. So. And yeah. All right. All right. Let's talk about The Healthy Dead, the greatest book ever. Yeah. Let's kick it. I cannot wait. The people of Quaint despise impurity, or at least they're told to, lest they be put on spikes outside the city. Imid Factalo and Elis Sill enlist the help of our titular three to depose the Mad King Macritus, who overthrew his brother, Necritus. There should probably be more there, but whatever. That's fine. More stuff happens. <laughs> Get out the way, I'm about to pop off. I'm yeah. so into this fucking short story. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. This one does it for me so good. You know, Steve fucking knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. For um, sure. And in my mind... Like, I don't want to get too trying to metagame Steve's life, but this is where Steve's Star Trek fandom, to me, bleeds through. If you don't think this is a Star Trek episode, I don't know what you're doing with your life, you know? Mm, Like, this is just a self-contained world that the whole thing is just like, you know, we're going to planet health fascism, you know? (laughs) Like, and like, it's about that and them encountering it. And the whole oh. and the whole story opens up with that crazy quote that's like <laughs> the lifestyle fascists beware. Yeah, um, warning to lifestyle fascists everywhere. Don't read this or you'll go blind. <laughs> and that's like some weird meta shit that Steve's like all of a sudden breaking. Like, oh man, I'm just like so easily I'm over the moon over this particular short story. So yeah, yeah. it's 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 the best. Yeah, it's great. It's it it is the story of Sodom, <laughs> but like the opposite. But then turns out not the opposite. <laughs> you know? like, it's just about both. It's about I don't yeah. know. I'm just man. It's so yeah. It's about a lot for sure. Um, I'm gonna say I didn't get any of these levels, but I just enjoyed it for face value as being a yeah? fucking romp. Wait, Josh, you didn't get the the Bible connection when there are literally I've never the read, sins. I've never read the Bible. Yeah, but Josh, do you know about the Seven I don't Deadly know who Sins? Sodom is. Right, you watch anime. You know about Seven Deadly Sins. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I got that stuff. But I don't know who Sodom is. All right, fair enough. Um, Sodom was a. It's a city. It's a place. Um, yeah. But okay, I love that. Well, I think obviously there's stuff going on with talking about government and like a type of oppression, you know? Yeah. There's obviously stuff going on talking about health and like what it means to have a body, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be well. Um, yeah. And I mean, even the name uh, Healthy Dead, I think talks about, I mean, just like the inherent absurdity of, I don't know. It's tough because obviously we're going to end up talking about our own feelings about health and well-being, you know, mm-hmm. but like there isn't an absurdity to it where like our bodies are fleeting things that will soon die, you know, mm-hmm. and like maintaining them is somewhat a futile gesture, you know, but yeah. also, I don't know, health is important, you know, it's like it, there's a balance. So, yeah, health is important, but you don't have to be a uh, what, is, what does he say? Lifestyle fascist or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, okay, so let's do let's do a quick overview of what yeah. we are dealing with. <laughs> I don't even know where okay? to start. There's just so much. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll just, do it. I'll, I just I got go it. on forever, so someone so, stop me. So, okay, so we're dealing with a, a city called Quaint. Yes. All right? We're dealing with a city called Quaint, and uh, the our, grew, our, our terrible trio are approached by two saints of glorious labor. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. All right? So, and they give a, a quick exposition, which is basically... There was a typical city, you know, typical corrupt ruler, all the bad things that go with that. But the good things of like, well, if you fuck up, you can just pay the right person and no one gives a shit. You know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. The good things. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, they think it's good. So anyway, when he dies, his health nut brother takes over. And now um, in place of corruption and being jailed for things the king doesn't like, 
uh, you can be jailed, you can be fucking killed for doing anything that they label as impure, which yeah. ranges from, you know, uh, gambling, uh, sex, masturbation, to eating meat, right? Mm-hmm. All of those things are impure. Uh, and also, the funniest shit of this whole goddamn book are the Saints of Glorious Labor. Really which means that if you get injured while doing work, you are, you are proclaimed a saint and are therefore never allowed to work again. And also that means you can't get money. <laughs> and that's, I just think it's a well-realized setting that's obviously articulate. Like the satire is very clear. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but that, and the gist is our trio has to put it down. Mm-hmm. Also, there's demons. Yeah, that's a yeah. whole other thing. Yeah, I like how it's, uh, you know, Steve's pressing at the balance between like self-destruction and self-preservation, you know, Mm -hmm. because obviously I think someone at some point talks about the conflict between health and well-being, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I I can quibble with if I'd like, but I think he's getting at how some like some things in life, a lot of things are very self-destructive to your body, you know? Yeah. And inherently your body is being destroyed, you know? Mm-hmm. So like at what point is client trying to cling into this body, you know, rational? At what point are you like trying to delay the inevitable, you know, mm-hmm. that you are fighting against the futilely fighting against your death, you know? But also the the balance point between not going too far in the other direction of saying, well, fuck it, you know, I'm only here for a short time. Let's make it fun and not like flying headfirst into all of those demons. Oh, my God. Of course. Of course. And there's the excess in both ends is there's a problem there, you know, Mm -hmm. because like you can't like abstain your life until living forever, you know? Right. There's also this whole um, part about the the nuns uh, taking taking babies to raise them uh, as healthily as possible away from the outside world. Oh, yeah. Babies are impure if they vomit or cry. If yeah. a baby cries, it is taken. Some of the baby jokes are kind of funny. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you like the part where uh, Imid finds that baby and then is like, and then, uh, yeah, he's just uh, like, Elis is like, wait, what if it, what if it, uh, yeah, yeah. voids its bowels or whatever and then just immediately shits in his, in, on his pants? Yeah. Yeah, no. that part rules. I and I, I think I want to say, unlike the 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 last two books where we're introduced to just way too many characters. Yeah, I felt like in this one, no, very manageable, very manageable, and more importantly, I I left kind of getting all the characters. There was mm-hmm. there were very few characters that were just introduced. They were I really felt like we get a nice moment with each of them. Yeah, I feel like the ones that we, outside of like Inib Kof, we don't really get moments with like the sins or whatever uh you know vice sloth uh, yeah the other ones and i was i was actually just flipping through right before we started talking about this book uh and inib cough is mentioned like the second or third chapter in which i did not even realize yeah and it's um, tough to understand exactly what he is at that point yeah i was like what is this guy and then we meet him later with uh storkel something <laughs> Whatever I forgot her name how is. bad her name is. And, he, and he's like four inches tall or something, right? He's, he's, a, like he's, really a, little. he's in a puppet costume. Yeah. <laughs> Just because like the uh, the amount of, uh, I don't know. There's not enough vice happening, S- yes. so the demon of vice can't feed on it. So he's getting right, smaller. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then as more people, <laughs> as more people uh, succumb to the to Vice, he gets really tight in his clothes. Yeah, uh, which is just a fun gag. Mm. Yeah. Uh, can I can I briefly talk about my favorite part of this whole book? Yeah, we'll take ten okay. seconds. Sure. There is a character, the Paladin of Purity. Yes. Invit in Loeth. Yes. And the my favorite part about this book, and actually, you know, in retrospect, it probably has some larger connotations considering that we're recording this on May 31st in the midst of uh, large-scale protests mm. in many cities in America. Uh, but Invit Loeth is like the one and supreme authority, mm. and his, his authority rests on him believing himself to be the most pure and being the one capable of delivering swift judgments on it. Mm. And my favorite part of this book is uh, Emancipa Reese accidentally gives him a handkerchief laced with (laughs) fucking hallucinogens or some some poppies. And the next time we see Invit Loth, it is from his POV. And Steve Erickson writes a page and a half long sentence. (laughs) It is a stream of mind 
that never lets up. There are no periods until yep. he ends his thought. And oh. it is, it is the, I, I was, I loved it. I loved every second of it. I stopped reading it three times because I was like, this is my, this is that good shit. <laughs> this is that good stuff, Steve do. Yeah. Yeah. And he is just out of fucking control. <laughs> I feel like he's out of control. Like, I almost. Oh, he's out of control the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what, when, like, when Steve hits, like, I feel like he hits, hits, you know? Yeah. So, like. I th- yeah, I think there's a commentary in here on how like giving absolute control to any human, you know, yeah, breeds, I feel like breeds the ability to make them think they are capable of judging all sin or some bullshit. Yeah, well, this came out in what oh four. Yeah. Uh, so no, was, this was uh oh yeah oh four yeah this was oh four yeah so you know we're still uh, uh the the war in in Iraq was still pretty fresh. I think. Uh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, I, like he had some strong feelings about stuff, and it is clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it is very. I think it's just as much about health as it is about government, if not more mm-hmm. about government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, in this case, the health is just the form of you know what they're picking and choosing as right and wrong. Yeah, which is like a, the, it does someone have to do with running against the death themes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially playing it into it. And I also think at one point he's talking about ego, you know, and how it's like clinging to these things it is clinging to ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very much agree with that. Also, just looking through some of my quotes, he did have a comparison to a pubic hair. So it's just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> shout out to that. So um, anyway, what I was going to say is I think he was trying to tap into uh, about trying to exert that control and uh, is it, it, it does channel one's ego. And I think it's the same way that pursuing health and fitness in that intensive way is also about ego and like the preservation of self. You know, mm-hmm. it's not spiritual. You know, it's not about, you know, your mind and, and soul, you know, it, it, like it is clinging to. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to like bag on fitness or anything. You know? Yeah. I just it's not transcendental. So yeah, there's definitely it, it's it's definitely shown in this story as some sort of like like it makes you better in some way if you are the perfect citizen, you know, if you are sure. fit and you are eating <laughs> eating grass, <laughs> despite grass also having you know shitty properties like nodding up in your stomach and killing you. Uh, and the, uh, that part was actually the, I think it's Invit Loth is talking to someone and they're talking about uh, and that's Paris, I guess. Uh, and he's talking about how all the citizens eat grass because it's better for you. Uh, and, you know, you don't want to kill animals to eat them because what doing in autopsies, while they did find oh knots God, of grass yes, in yes. people's stomach, they also found raw meat. <laughs> it's like and it must have been the raw meat that was doing these people in. I forgot there's a whole running gag that the, they're all dying of constipation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. They is, straight yeah. up say that people can't shit that. themselves. That's so funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why it's impure for a child to void, I guess. Oh, God. Um, so yeah. many good. Yeah. There's there's so many different levels you could read into this as. Um, I, I, and I will say, I did feel a conflict because I enjoyed the story so much, you know, yeah. and those different levels of it. But also, like, you know, I do think people should eat more vegetables, you know. Yeah, I but I think like, this was. <laughs> this know, is I know more that's about, not like, the point of the story. Yeah, but, okay. Yeah. Um, um, I'm curious what. <laughs> I'm curious as to what Steve thinks about goop. Uh, <laughs> I, I've got a feeling Steve's not a goop fan. You know? Maybe he's, yeah. We'll have to ask him. <laughs> I would assume not, considering during our first interview, he was like, all right, I'm going to go cook a fucking beef shank now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I'd be curious if he's that plugged into the goop lifestyle brand. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have yeah, a feeling I mean, that's could be off his radar. I don't know. He's got Netflix, right? We've talked about Netflix. He watched Sex <laughs> so, Education. There's the whole Goop documentary yeah. on Netflix. A lot of people have Netflix, bro. I don't mean they're watching Goop. I'm just also, saying. we should not be giving that shitty company this much of our yeah. valuable. <laughs> 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 our big media poll. All right. I do want to say, though, guys, there's a large Goop contingent on the Discord. I don't think we really want to alienate them right now. <laughs> they started hashtag. They started the, the Goop channel. <laughs> Listen, I'm open to hearing. I'm ready to talk to people, you know. But like, yeah. anyway, away away from this weird goop hole we got into. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just uh, you can't. You hate to be in a goop hole, man. Yeah. You gotta hate it. Um, <laughs> but it's just like it's a big commentary on clean eating and what it means to to be like have a healthy but, lifestyle, quote unquote. See, as I, I think, I don't know. It's I don't even think it's really a, the story's so 
it's more about other things. That's the text, but I think the yeah. subtext is just not about, like... Also, for anyone who is, like, hearing this and is just like, is the whole thing about this? I, I want you to know, we are skipping over all of the wild shit that happens in this book, including a full citywide riot featuring an army of the undead. Yeah. Um, specifically, the healthy the undead. The healthy dead. Yeah. The healthy dead. Uh, Which is, it it's is, all really good. It's, mm-hmm. it's incre- it is incredible. Like, the last, I don't know, 50 pages of this book, you just, it just goes. It goes and you read them. Like I said, like, Steve's chapters are so concise and just scene-based that you, you can't stop. And I just yeah. feel that way about uh, this. And I'd say, it's what I said up top about I can have, and, and maybe we can start wrapping up. Yeah, it's easy, easy for me to have a very uncomplicated opinion about the healthy dead. You know, that, like, this is just a treat, you know? Mm-hmm, Sit yeah. down. Enjoy yourself. Read this hundred-page little fun romp. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, I just enjoyed this so much. So. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would highly recommend this whole this whole collection. Um, it's great. You know, caveats about the the middle mm-hmm. of yeah. Lisa Laughter's end, but um, this whole thing is really it was a great time to read. It was so easy and still scratched that you know that itch. Malazan itch. Right. And um, not to jump in, but I think what is so interesting, and we talked about during this willful child, is like, is that Steve can do easy, breezy, chill out, hang yes. out, read, you know? Yes. So it's, uh, you know, it is very purposeful, the tone he's taking in, in like when we read House of Chains, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to see him kind of in that different speed, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. So we gonna move on to some some Close big general thoughts. thoughts. I, yeah. I I do I have something. Um. So I actually couple things. One, I think it's so interesting to me that when I read Memories of Ice, I would say almost entirely I saw the this trio as antagonists. Hmm. Um. Somewhat goo like slightly goofy, but yeah. not really goofy. Like I saw them mostly as like rather serious antagonists. That I was kind of like I, I liked their scenes because they were interesting, but like that was the extent of it, right? And now I I kind of want to reread those parts of Memories of Ice because I have such an appreciation now of like the rapport between these three characters, mm. each of their like their duties in a scene. You know, yeah, I, I think it's so crazy. And something I was just thinking about at the end of this is uh. I think it's really interesting to me that I think Corporal Broach personally is the most interesting of these three. But the reason he's most interesting, do you know why he's the most interesting? Steve, he dangles. He dangles Corporal Broach right in front of you, but you don't get it. In the third book, I struggle to think if he's even in the third book outside of crow form. He is mentioned as having raised these dead people. Yeah. But like... He He's comes not, down and sorry. He, he comes down and, and takes that handkerchief to to start the. Uh, he takes that bloody handkerchief to start the ritual or whatever. Yeah, and I think yeah, that is it. That, yeah, it's shit's like he's just never there. But then, like the one or two times that he talks, I'm like, please give me more of KB. Yeah. yeah. But see, but that's you know, it's just a classic. Like he's behind the curtain, so we can imagine whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Because like mm-hmm. Botulin is obviously the most boring of the three characters because he's just like. <laughs> I don't know. But dude, to say, you know? but to say he, you, you can say he's most boring. But to say he's boring isn't true because Bocalane also at any moment, like there's a there's a moment where it's like he needs the blood of this girl, and I fully was like, all right, he's just gonna fucking murder her. Oh like, my he's fucking just, god, that he's part- gonna, <laughs> yeah. And that then like the next so- like three chapters later, it's like yeah, he pricked your finger while you were drunk. Yeah. As oh, fuck. and she's she's not even in that entire chapter, and he's standing there with like a bloody knife and a bloody handkerchief, and you're like, oh my god, he he slaughtered this this poor woman. And then at the very <laughs> end of the chapter, she's like, ow, my finger. <laughs> it's like, oh, I pricked you. Sorry. I think what's interesting is that essentially, Botchel and Corporal Broach actually are the straight men most of the time. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah. Usually yeah. the scenario around them is crazy. Usually they caused it. And then the two of them are deadpan, straight, serious. And then Amanceper Reese is usually like, how are you guys fucking <laughs> chill right now? You yeah. Know? And, I d- yeah. And, and I do want to say again, I... As it goes on, it is funnier and funnier to me that Amanda Paris is is accepting of his situation, and he's yeah. just like, "Fuck it, let's toke up." And he's just like, like he's yeah. he's just like, "I'm gonna get high, and this is gonna be way more palatable." Yeah. And that's I don't know, like that just the idea of that to me over is just like it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, Josh, it was you mentioning going back and reading their scenes in Memories of Ice. 
made me think about this the quick bend scene where they're in the the you know that building <laughs> yeah, with yeah, quick yeah. Bend and yeah. stuff and and they don't really get into a battle but uh made me think about Bocalane's just like sheer power where he and at the end of uh the healthy dead when he is talking to everyone and like oh, yeah he flicks a finger and just like I, just like does all of this powerful well, like, shit mul- with like multiple- no Mm-hmm. Or that's what it was. The the demons. Sorry, the demons yeah. realize he is like so so powerful because they can feel his you know his yeah. His and magic these demons are at the peak of their power. They've yeah, never they been are, so engorged. They are seven deadly sins of demons. And, which is and like, they're they're like oh man, this dude could just fucking like snap his fingers and we're done. Which is just so wild considering all the situations he's in in Memories of Ice where he could just like walk in and snap his fingers and just like probably kill all the Kachin Shamal in like one finger swipe. You know? Yeah, and uh, see, that's I was, that's funny because the tenant scoury come and he just they just make those skeletons he could just stand there and the tenant scoury would probably be like not this one <laughs> to the next house yeah oh my god it's uh, it's so good they are such fun characters to be in a story space with uh mm-hmm. i would i'm extremely excited to read the next collection yeah and i'm excited I, for the the next one to come out i stand by our opening remarks and i will say I feel pretty confident we're going to read these other three, you know? Absolutely. When, where, how, why, yeah. absolutely could not tell you. But yeah. we, we got some time. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to do it for us here. Thank you for listening. Thanks, uh, AJ and Josh, for joining us. We're looking forward to reading those other yeah. stories. As always, we're 10 Very Big Books on Twitter and Gmail. If you've read these novellas, let us know what you think. I know not everyone has. I know there can kind of be a somewhat undertouched part of the, the, the community. I know not everyone has touched them. So reach out. Uh, and then AJ is going to do his outro now. Hello, everyone. Producer AJ here having some deja vu. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode. It was so much fun to read these stories, and I really, really would recommend that you pick them up if your interest has been piqued at all. Secondly, there is another episode in the feed today. Pete spoke series spoilers, memories of ice impressions, and reread revelations with Malzan YouTuber Iskar Jirak. If you want to listen to that, you can just head on over to our feed and start listening right now. Uh, like I said in the beginning of the episode, thank you all for being so great and understanding about us making room for the black community last week. It really means so, so much. Uh, also, don't forget to visit the link in the show notes for some great resources to help out and to learn. Uh, if you'd like to join our community Discord, you can head on over to bit.ly slash VBB Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D Discord. I think I said one too many letters there. Uh, that link will also be in the show notes. And as always, thank you so much to Dan Gesserit for making our spectacular logo. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Gesserit for the hottest bear takes. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode is Floating Man by the one and only Amaranthan from their album The New Romantic, which you can find along with Simulant Rain and their other music on Bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes and 10 Very Big Books will be back in one week on June 19th with a very special D&D episode. We are very excited about that. And I'll talk to you then. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs>